from the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Glaucoma Twins. I think from a clinical viewpoint, that's, that's why these studies are very important. One, for hopeful managed treatment in the future, but also for helping us understand you know, the pathology of the disease. First this. As seen from here reaches ophthalmologists in 98 countries, transfers more than half a terabit of podcasts every month. But the potential audience is much larger. Please tell your colleagues about this free resource, Flattening the Ophthalmic World. And while you're at it, let your residents and fellows know about Open Ophthalmology, a free basic science video podcast, already a force in ophthalmic education with 1,800 viewers watching 6,000 video lectures every month. Information wants to be free. Help me give it away. I always ask new patients if they have a family history of glaucoma. I'm sure you do the same. But what do we do with the answer? How much risk does a glaucomatous family member represent? For that matter, how important is genetics in glaucoma anyway? And what role does environment play? Of course, nature and nurture are not truly independent, but interact with each other. Nonetheless, when a patient is under our care, it is important to understand the risk that a genetic predisposition poses. How to tease this out? Well, one way would be to run a case control study of pairs of human clones raised in the same environment and compare them to pairs of humans who are not clones but are otherwise age-matched. Clones? Ridiculous? Of course, there are naturally occurring clones. We call them identical twins. And there are naturally occurring age-matched human pairs who are not clones. We call them fraternal twins. The comparison of identical to fraternal twins to elucidate the role of genetics while controlling for environment is called a classical twin study. To our great fortune, such a study has just been published in the field of glaucoma. Its author is Francis Carbonaro, and I'm delighted to welcome him as my guest today. Francis Carbonaro, welcome to A Scene From Here. Prior to your study, what did we know about the heritability of intraocular pressure? Well, there, there were a few studies uh, which have looked at heritability of, of uh, intraocular pressures. Uh, some of them were, well, the majority of them were familial studies, uh, and there's been one twin, twin study which was done, which was published in 2007. And uh, most of them have found heritabilities in between sort of 0.29 and uh, 0.5, the family studies. But the study done by uh, uh, Parson and Al, uh, last, which was printed last year, found a heritability of 0.64. So really, th- th- those are the studies around, really, that have been on heritability. So we're, we're, the, sort of, we're the second twin study which has looked at IOP, in fact. When you talk about heritability in your study, you use fractions like 0.2 and 0.5. What do these numbers mean? Well, because uh, heritability is, is, can be described either as a percentage so, or as a, a value totaling one. So if we say the heritability is, is 0.64, for instance, this means that 64% uh, of the variability is due to genetic factors, whereas the remainder, which would be uh, 0.36 in that case, is due to environmental components. So it can either be, so when you say 0.64, that means that's so 64% is due to genes uh, and the rest is due to environmental components. So it can be expressed either as a, as a uh, value with one being the maximum or as a percentage, essentially. To the extent that IOP is heritable, 
Is it monogenic? Is it polygenic? Well, polygenic, it looks like. Uh, there have been a few studies that have done, uh, that have looked at, uh, looked for, for genes, you know, linkage studies. And uh, the Beaver Dam Eye study is one of them. Uh, there's been these, uh, a couple of others, one on a West African population. But they found a number of gene loci. Uh, so it looks like it's a polygenic, uh, polygenic uh, sort of uh, characteristic, uh, as it were, rather than, rather than monogenic, much the same way as, as glaucoma is polygenic. What do we know about the environmental contributions? Well, I mean, as, as we've shown in, in our study, the sort of environmental component does, does, uh, does affect a lot of the IOP, because in, in our case, we found heritability to be uh, 0.62, uh, so, so the remainder was environmental component. And environmental component is usually made up of, of several things. I mean, in the heritability, that it could be uh, sort of... Uh, Upbringing, uh, thing, you know, diet, that kind of thing. But also, in a in a twin study, the measurement error is one of the components which affects the environment. So, if you have a lot of measurement error, your environmental uh, influence tends to be tends to be higher. So, we've in fact found, and in fact, in another some other work we've been doing, which which we're about to submit a paper on. We looked at the effect of using more than one reading and taking the mean. So, say instead of using one or two readings, using four readings. Uh, which is in fact what we did. We've taken two readings on each eye and used the, four, used the mean of those four readings. And we found that if you do that, you get higher heritability values than if you just take one reading, say just the first reading of the right eye. And the reason for that is that if you're using four readings, then you're reducing your measurement error, and hence you're reducing your environmental component and therefore increasing the heritability factor. So, uh, so I mean, the, 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 that's uh, so. There's, there's, environment is, is an important contributor, but measurement error is one of the, one of the factors which influences the environmental con- contribution. Francis, how do classical twin studies work? Well, uh, in fact, they're they're very ingenious uh, sort of way of uh, determining heritability. The way they work is you one compares identical to non-identical twins. Now, we know that identical twins share 100% of the same genes uh, because obviously they're, they're, split, they're split egg, whereas non-identical twins share only 50% of the same genes, much the same way as any, any two siblings. Therefore, uh, and we also, one of, the, one of the main assumptions of twin studies is that the common environment shared by the two twins of each pair is, is the same. For instance, you know, in utero, the nine months in utero, the schooling, diet, so on and so forth. So by comparing the identical twin, the, the correlation of identical twins with that of non-identical twins, the increased correlation of identical twins is due to the, that extra 50% of genes. So it's, it's in fact, the, the sort of formula, or the simple formula, which was, which was devised by Faulkner, is that heritability is twice the difference between the identical twin correlation and the non-identical twin correlation. So you're basically comparing that. And because twins appear to be more alike, uh, sorry, identical twins are more alike than non-identical twins because they both share the same common environment. Therefore, that increased similarity is due to the genetic components, the increased genetic component in identical twins. What was the purpose of your study, and what was its design? Yeah, I mean, the, the main purpose of our study was to determine heritability of IOP. Uh, as I said, there was one twin study which was published just in 2007. So. We were, when we set off, the idea was that we were going to be the first twin study on, on intraocular pressure. But, so that was our main, our main aim, but also because we've also been gathering, uh, we collect DNA on all our twins. So the twin study will also be a stepping stone onto uh, linkage studies and genetic work to look for, to look for gene loci on, on intraocular pressure. And we also, because we collected data on the IOP using three different instruments, we wanted to see if the three instruments would, for one, uh, 
give us the same heritability values and uh, whether there was any any sort of difference in, in the three instruments. So the main the main purpose was determining heritability, and the second one was comparing the three instruments and their and their their heritability results. And the design was essentially a, a twin study, a classical twin study. And I collected all, basically the twins come to the Twins UK. So the Twins UK registry, we've got about 12,000 twins, which have been, uh, it's, a, it's a sort of database which has been being collected since for about 20 years. And so set up by Professor Spector. So the twin, mainly it's uh, female-based. We've got about 91% of female twins. Uh, and main, most of the twins would come for various other tests but I would be doing eye tests on them, and I would check the, amongst other things, check the IOP using the uh, Goldman tonometer, and then using the Ocular Response Analyzer, and thirdly using the Dynamic Control Tonometer. So all twins were measured, or at least two, uh, the individual twins of a pair were measured within five minutes of each other, so there wouldn't be any effect of uh, time of day, and so on and so forth. Uh, and I, would, I collected all the data myself, and then used the mean of four readings to determine the heritability. And, and essentially, that's the way. That's the way we do it. Even homozygous twins can be phenotypically quite different. How did you assess these phenotypic differences? Mm, I mean, uh, when you look at, uh, I mean, twin studies are sort of four components which you, uh, which are used in, in in the modeling, in the genetic modeling, and we used uh, MX modeling and Stata for our analysis. And there's the, in terms of environmental, there's uh, there's a common environment and there's a unique environment. And common environment is basically uh, environmental components which are shared by both twins, which, as you said before, for instance, the time they spend in utero or they're having equal age, having the exact same age, uh, for instance, schooling and upbringing and diet, diet and things like that. And then there are unique environmental components which are unique to the individual twin, which, for instance, uh, I don't know, most of the twins we saw, we saw twins from about 18 to, I think our eldest twin was, was 88 years old. But... Uh, so as twins go older and they, they go separate ways, they have a different environmental uh, influences. I don't know, for instance, the work they do, the diet they eat, for instance, some may be smoke, one may be smoke, one may not. So th- those, are, those facts can then change, although they could be identical twins, that environmental component can make them have different phenotypes. Francis, what were your results? So in terms of heritability, we, we had four, four heritabilities. I mean, the one we quote most is the Goldman affirmation phenomenon, because that's the one that... Uh, Several other studies have used, and our heritability was 62% for Goldman. But then, when we look at the heritability for uh, the ocular response analyzer, it was 74%, and for the dynamic control tonometer, it was 63%. So they were slightly different. And in each case, uh, the remainder of the percentage. So if, if our Goldman was 62%, the remaining 38% uh, was due to the environmental component. The degree of heritability that you measured differed with different measurement techniques. Why was this? And what does this imply about the utility of these different techniques? Well, uh, th- there are several, se- several sort of theories behind, behind why this has happened. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, measurement error has a big influence on, on the environment, environmental component. So if, if, you ha- if you're measuring something with a high measurement area or a, or a high variation between, between two readings, then you expect to get a higher measurement, a higher heritage, sorry, a higher environmental component and lower heritability. Now, in the ocular response analyzer, that's the instrument which had the least uh, sort of human uh, involvement, as it were, because the patient rests their head on the uh, on the instrument, focuses on a target, and the machine does all the rest. So there's no 
know, it doesn't involve taking down values or anything of the sort. Whereas if you take the Goldman and the uh, dynamic contour tonometer, as we know, the Goldman, it's, it's, uh, the operator has to, you know, move the dials to, to the various pressure and, there's, and it involves touching the patient's side and so on and so forth. So it could be, for one, that the ocular response analyzer is the one with the least measurement error and therefore the smallest environment, you know, and would have a smaller environmental component and hence a higher heritability. That, that's probably one of, one of the reasons. Also, another reason could be that the DCT and the Goldman are two contact anometers, whereas the ocular response analyzer is a non-contact anometer. And as we said, as I said, the Goldman and DCT had very similar heritabilities. So it could be, it, it's probably the, those two main reasons which have caused the, the three instruments to have slightly different heritabilities. You wrote, quite pithily, that heritability is a population-specific factor. What does heritability of intraocular pressure mean at the level of the individual patient? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, 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 a good, it's a good point. I mean, heritability, is, and we say that it is a population, uh, a sort of a population-specific uh, factor because it's, it's like, like a lot of statistics, it's, it's uh, population genetics, as it were. So if you're giving, a, if you say, if we, if we've said that heritability is, is that intraocular pressure or the variation of intraocular pressure is, is 62% determined by the genes, then that's, then that's in the population, and in, in our case, in the population of twins that we looked at. So when you take it down to the individual patient, uh, you can give them sort of as a, a risk factor. You, you, know, you can say that two-thirds of the variation in, in, in the, that individual patient's IOP is due to genes. But uh, obviously, like, like a lot of other population genetics or population statistics, the, the, the patient must understand that you're giving, them, uh, you're giving them a risk value, and they have to understand what that risk is. And that although, you know, you could say, although, say, their parents, it's the same thing, I suppose, with glaucoma. If a parent has glaucoma, then they have a certain amount of risk of developing glaucoma, which doesn't necessarily, because that's, but those, those, those risks have been determined from population statistics, you know. So, um, so, so for the individual, I suppose one needs to understand that uh, intraocular pressure is determined, is hereditary, uh, and we've, we've proved that, and it has been proved in other studies. Uh, so one, one must understand for the individual that if they have relatives who have IO, high IOPs or indeed glaucoma, then they are at a risk of developing it. Uh, so that's, that's, I suppose, how, how one must take it on the individual uh, patient. Earlier in this interview, you spoke about linkage analysis studies. Can you talk about intraocular pressure, linkage analysis, and how these studies may relate to your findings? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and as you said, and as I mentioned before, we, we've collect, we collect the DNA on, on all our twins. Uh, so I've seen in total, obviously, the number of twins that are used for this study, in fact, was 400 and, 422, actually, we had data on which we used. But I've collected data on more than that. In total, almost 600 pairs of twins. And the PSG student has taken over from me is collecting data using the ocular response analyzer. And incidentally, we've chosen that machine for two reasons. One of, it, one of them is because it's the, 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 the student who's taken over from me is not ophthalmically trained, so it's the easiest one to use, plus because we were getting the highest heritability with it, probably because of the reduced uh, measurement error. So what, what I'm getting at is she's going to collect more data, so hopefully we're going to have eventually maybe 1,500 pairs of twins, which is 300 individuals with DNA data. And twin studies are a great stepping stone onto linkage analysis because they, if you know the actual heritability and if you have high heritability, then that gives you a higher power for your power calculations when, you, when you're stepping or embarking on a linkage analysis. Uh, so it very often is, is uh, a method, you know, a, a sort of, as I said, a stepping stone onto linkage analysis. And we hope to find 
We either hope to replicate previous studies that have found gene loci, as I said, like the Bevadamai study or the, uh, there's an Australian study which found loci and locus on 10Q22 uh, and the West African study. So either replicating them or indeed finding new loci or, or possibly a gene, if that's the case. So that's definitely going to be the next, the, you know, the next stage of, of the work we're doing. Um, so, so we hope to find some interesting things. And in fact, besides intraocular we've been looking at other parameters like optic disc uh, parameters, like optic disc size and cup area and rim area, so, and blood vessel damage. So we hope to find loci on, on all these uh, phenotypes, essentially. Francis, how do we use this information clinically? Uh, well, because essentially, by if we do find uh, genes or gene loci which which determine the the intraocular pressure and which control intraocular pressure, that will help us one to gain a better understanding of the mechanisms behind the intraocular pressure control, and uh, by understanding pathology, it might also in the future provide uh, drug drug targets. So, I mean, those are two ways that that we hope that uh, that genetic you know finding genetic studies towards intraocular pressure can help. On a, on a clinical basis. Also, if we can determine environmental influences on IOP uh, from these studies, then that can help, uh, you know, and, and avoiding certain environmental components which could increase the risk of high IOP or indeed uh, the, the damage IOP can do, you know, such as in normal tension glaucoma. So I think from a clinical viewpoint, that's, that's why these studies are very important. One, for hopeful managed treatment in the future, but also for helping us understand, you know, the pathology of the disease and of, of the disease process. Francis Carbonaro, thank you so much. Thanks a lot for, for, for everything, for the opportunity. Francis Carbonaro is a clinical research fellow at the Twin Research and Genetic Epidemiology Unit at King's College London School of Medicine in London, United Kingdom. His paper, Heritability of Intraocular Pressure, a Classical Twin Study, appears in the August 2008 issue of the British Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Carbonaro or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States style area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype J. Young, M.D. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.